good morning. Happy Easter, or as some would say, Happy Resurrection Sunday. So we're doing the full thing this morning. So you know, every year thousands of people climb a mountain in the Italian Alps. As they climb this mountain, they pass the stations of the cross to finally stand at an outdoor crucifix. One day a tourist noticed a little trail that led beyond the cross. He fought through the rough thicket and to his surprise came upon another shrine, a shrine that symbolised the empty tomb. It was neglected. The brush had grown up around it. Almost everyone had gone as far as the cross, but there they stopped. It is sad today that so many people stop at the cross. Sad that for so many the story of Jesus ends at the tomb. And they have no idea or concept of Jesus being risen in glory. And that was true of the US President Thomas Jefferson. Undoubtedly he was a great man. But he could not accept the miraculous. He edited his own special version of the Bible and deleted all references to the supernatural. Jefferson, in his editing, ends the Gospels with these words. There they laid Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the grave and went away. He didn't believe, he couldn't believe in a Jesus who was risen in glory. This morning we're going to go beyond the tomb, beyond the grave, and gaze afresh at the resurrection of our Saviour. There are three incredible, incredible life-changing cries in the, in the story of Easter. The cry of despair as Jesus cries out, my God, why have you forsaken me? Just seen that on the video. Referring to the Father, turning his back on his Son while he hung there on the cross. And there was the cry of victory from the cross. It is finished. Jesus declaring once and for all that the workers, his work of salvation was complete. And the cry of triumph, the announcement by the angel to the women at the tomb, he is not here, he is risen. Last week we looked at the first two and this week we're going to look at the third. So I'd like you to turn to Matthew 28 and we're going to read from verses 1 to 10. Matthew 28, 1 to 10. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up, 
and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very foundation, the very foundation of Christianity. All the four Gospels declare in great detail how Jesus was crucified, and all four Gospels declare with, again, great detail about Jesus rising on the third day from the grave. J.C. Ryle says this about the resurrection. He says, The resurrection is the seal and the headstone of the great work of redemption, which he came to do. It is the crowning proof that he has paid the debt which he undertook to pay on our behalf. So this morning I want just to briefly look at the events of that first Easter. We read in the scriptures that on the evening that Jesus died, a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. He wanted to do uh, to honour Jesus by putting him in the tomb that he had carved out the rock for himself. And after placing Jesus into this new tomb, he had a large stone rolled across the entrance. But the chief priests had remembered that Jesus had claimed that on the third day he would rise from the grave. So they went to Pilate and requested that a Roman guard should be placed at the entrance in case some of the disciples might come and steal the body of Jesus and fraudulently claim that he had risen from the dead. The day following the Sabbath, as we read, read just now, in the early morning, Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, went to the tomb with spices to anoint Jesus, the body of Jesus, with these spices. Mark's Gospel tells us, an interesting conversation, just one of those small details that as they were on their way to the tomb, they were discussing, who's going to roll it away? Like, who's, it's going to be strong enough, who's, there's, a, there's a big stone in not knowing that God had done it for them. Imagine their surprise when they arrived at the tomb and found not only that the stole was rolled away, but that sitting on top of the stone was an angel of the Lord. You know, Jesus was not going to rise in some ordinary way. There's going to be an earthquake. There's going to be an angel. He could have risen without that, but I believe that God wanted to demonstrate the significance of this event. We read that the guardians over the tomb were told they shook with fear and became as dead men. These hardened Roman soldiers trembled at the appearance of the angel of God. Then we hear probably one of the most dramatic and far-reaching statements in all of history. The angel said to the woman, He is not here, he is risen. These seven simple words would change the world and the course of history. He is not here, he is risen. And they looked into the tomb as if, as if to say, the angel's word perhaps wasn't significant enough, Let, let's check out for himself. He said he's risen, but we're going to look in the tomb. They, they looked into the tomb and they saw the tomb was empty and the grave clothes folded where Jesus had laid. There was no sign of Jesus. Then as they were leaving the garden to go and tell the disciples, they came face to face with Jesus, 
One version of the Gospels tells us that they initially thought he was the gardener. But as soon as Jesus spoke, they fell on their knees and worshipped him. Then Jesus tells them to go and tell my brethren. And in Mark's Gospel, Jesus mentions by name Peter, the one who denied Jesus three times. Jesus, in this simple direction and the words he used, reveals afresh his love for his disciples and his love, particularly for Peter, being aware of Peter's denial. To go tell my brothers, these weak, frail, denying disciples, Jesus still calls them his brethren. These disciples who had fled and abandoned Jesus, had yielded to the fear of man. Jesus affirms his love for them by saying, go tell my brothers. Go tell my brothers. This Jesus who had suffered the torment of the cross and had experienced the wrath of God and who had conquered death, hell and the grave, the eternal Son of God, is still the same Jesus who said, I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus, our Saviour, he never forgets his people. He pities our infirmities. He does not despise them. He knows our weaknesses. And yet Jesus, our great high priest, is also our elder brother. Sorry, a page won't come away. What a transform, transformation for these women. They had left the cross in despair, but now they leave the tomb with great joy. And to go and tell this incredible, earth-shattering news to the disciples. Even though Jesus had previously told them, it was still earth-shattering to them. Amazing, life-changing news that they had to go and tell the others. And the resurrection validates three things, and it's what I want to just briefly look at this morning. It validated prophecy, it validated Jesus' claims, and it validates our faith. So first of all, validated prophecy. There have been many prophecies regarding Christ's death and resurrection. I'm just going to pick out a few. In Matthew 17, verse 22 to 23, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And he will be raised on the third day. And they were greatly distressed. In Mark 8, verse 31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And then in Mark 14, verse 58, tells us that when Jesus was brought before the council of the priests, as again we saw in the video this morning, some accusers were saying that they heard him say, and heard him say correctly, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Of course, as John 2 tells us, he was speaking about the temple of his body. And then in Matthew 12, verse 40, we read, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of of the earth. Jesus had said many times 
These are just a few, there are others. Jesus said many times, and in various ways, speaking about him, actually rise, speaking about it, context of the temple, and speaking about it in, in talking about Jonah, in the belly of the fish for three days. In various ways, he was telling them that he would die at the hands of the people, but that in three days he would rise. When Jesus rose from the dead, he fulfilled prophecy. He validated prophecy. And Christ's resurrection was verified not only by his disciples, the women at the empty tomb, but 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that he appeared to more than 500 believers at one time. There are other evidences in scripture we read of when Jesus met with people. The resurrection validated and confirmed the prophecies made by Jesus. Secondly, the resurrection validates Christ's claims. Jesus, during these three years, his three years of ministry, made many staggering and extraordinary claims. John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, that is Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John 4, we read of Jesus' encounter with the woman of Samaria. And the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I am he. I am who speak to you, am he. John 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Staggering, staggering statements that Jesus made about himself. And these to the Pharisees and the chief priests, these, these would be blasphemous claims made by Jesus. And sadly, even today, those claims are still not accepted by millions of people. But as Tim Keller writes, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue of which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. Christ's resurrection, which we celebrate today, validates and gives authenticity to the numerous claims that Jesus made. Perhaps none more powerful when he says in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we see the resurrection validates prophecy, it validates Christ's claims, and it validates our faith. Without the resurrection, Jesus would have been just another man. Can I say he couldn't have even, if he, if, if he was just another man, he wouldn't have even been a good man. Because good men don't spend their, their lifetime going around deceiving people, giving them false hope. Because that's what it would have been if, it, if he'd just been another man. Telling lies, giving people false hope. The Apostle Paul expresses it well in 1 Corinthians 15. says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in vain. 
And in verse 17, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Our faith is dependent and validated by the resurrection. The grave could not hold him beyond three days. He rose on the third day with a renewed body, a real body, but also a transformed body. And as Paul tells us, Christ's resurrected body is the first fruits. It's the first fruits. Paul goes on to say, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For all of us who belong to Christ, we will be raised and we will have resurrected bodies. In Jesus rising from the dead, the hope we have in our resurrection is confirmed. Jesus is the first fruits and we, we are the remainder of the harvest, will also be raised. This was Christ's purpose in bringing many sons and daughters to glory. I love this from Lee Strobel. He says, Jesus Christ did not come into the world to make bad people good. He came into the world to make dead people live. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who believes, lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? This is the question that, having made this statement, that, that Jesus puts to Martha at the grave of Lazarus. He says, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall die. And then he asks this question to Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? And the question he raises to Martha is the question is for us this morning. Do we believe this? Do you believe that he is the resurrection and the life? And I want to say this morning, if you're tuning in and you're not a Christian, this question is for you. Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he had died on a cruel cross in your place as a substitute for your sins, the sins you've committed? And do you believe he is the resurrection and the life? If this is a question that you're wrestling with now, I would encourage you to seek out a church or Christian friends who can help you and pray with you and help you to come to a conclusion a settlement in your heart about this question. But for those of us who are believers, we read in 1 John 3 verse 2 that when Christ returns, we will be resurrected with resurrected bodies and we shall be like him. And we will have a glorious body like his when we see him. There will come a day, there will come a day for all of us who are in Christ will be resurrected with Christ with resurrected bodies no longer these frail and sickness kind of bodies that we all experience throughout years on earth but we'll come a day when we'll have a glorious body like Jesus we can have confidence in this promise because Christ has gone before us 
as Paul calls, the first fruit. Because he was resurrected, we can be assured that when Jesus returns, we will also be resurrected with him. So what is the outcome for us of the resurrection? Well, the resurrection confirms our sins have been dealt with. Our sins have been dealt with and we have been declared righteousness. Righteous. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. God has declared when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he declares us righteous. We've been born again, a new beginning with the old behind us. The old including our fears and our guilt associated with our sins. We have a hope for the future that goes beyond the grave and a hope for now that transforms our lives. And most of all, we have a relationship with Jesus. We can know and love him even though we don't see him with our eyes. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said. This Apostle, this is the man who fled and ran away and denied Jesus, was in the fear of man. This is what he said in 1 Peter 1, 3, 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We are born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And our final salvation, our final salvation is kept in heaven and is guarded by God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, the argument of the New Testament is that when God raised his son from the dead, he was proclaiming to the whole world, I am satisfied in him. I am satisfied in the work he has done. He has done everything. He has fulfilled every demand. Here, he is risen. Therefore, I am satisfied with him. We can have confidence in the promises that Christ made about our future. The resurrection proved that Christ's death upon the cross was affected, effective for his work of salvation. A.W. Tozer says this, I love this, we understand and acknowledge that the resurrection has placed a glorious crown upon all of Christ's suffering. A glorious crown upon all of Christ's suffering. I want to finish this morning with a hymn. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. And as I read this hymn, let's turn our eyes upon Jesus and see again the glory, the glory of our risen Saviour. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. See the man of sorrows now. From the fight returned victorious, every knee to him shall bow. Crown him, crown him, crowns become the victor's brow. Crown the saviour, angels crown him. 
Rich the trophies Jesus brings on the seat of power, enthrone him while the vault of heaven rings. Crown him, crown him, crown the Saviour, King of Kings. Sinners in derision crowned him, mocking thus the Saviour's claim. Saints and angels crowd around him, own his title, praise his name. Crown him, crown him, spread abroad the victor's fame. Hark those bursts of acclamation. Hark those loud triumphant calls. Jesus takes the highest station. Oh, what joy the sight affords. Crown him, crown him, King of kings and Lord of lords. Let's pray.